I tell you, it's one of the more amusing moments of being a minister, desperately trying to put clothes back on a soaking wet body whilst a song is uh, being sung, knowing that I've got to come up here shortly. I'm here, and I have clothes on, which is good. (laughs) For everyone. (laughs) Oh, dear, 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 dear. Right, we're just going to spend a bit of time having to think about this um, passage together. Some of you regular church folks will know kind of like what we're going to do, we'll listen and reflect. But I just want to say to everyone here, it's a moment for all of us just to let our minds think and chew to ponder life, to ponder what it's all about. And I'm going to pray that God just helps us in that. So Lord, as we just turn to your written word now, just invite you come Holy Spirit. Come and help us. Whether we're close to you or far away. Whether we have faith or no faith. Come and help us this morning and stir in our hearts. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, good. Can we um, bring up the... Uh, that's marvellous. There goes. Is that working? Yeah. So, I don't know about you, but I go about lots of my life um, quite busy sometimes, barely noticing what's going on around me. I'm focused. I'm getting on. So, I let things pass by me, cars and people and shops and scenery, and I barely take them in day after day. But every now and then there are those things, aren't there, that come, is this one working, John? Brilliant. Um, that make us stop in our tracks and make us double take and say something like, what on earth was that? What on earth am I looking at here? Perhaps it's the moment where you actually see a shooting star across the sky. Anyone seen one? It's really cool, isn't it? Because you just can't go, tonight I'm going to see one. You have to just wait, and you might see one. Just extraordinary. Um, or perhaps it's one of those huge hot air balloons where you just weren't expecting. You go, whoa, what's that in the sky? This beautiful red thing floating around, or a massive orange moon. That one always gets me when the moon seems three times as big, and you're driving your car, like, whoa, is this okay? Is anyone else okay with this? Do I need to ring the government or something? No, it's just a harvest moon. They're about these times of the year. Maybe it's the clouds. Maybe it's a huge, spectacular bird of prey that sweeps down in front of you. Or a seagull that you run over, as I did once. Sorry about that. Um, That's true. Um, But you stop and you go, whoa, what is that? What has happened? In this visual world we live in, the internet's constantly trying to get our attention, isn't it? Any social media platform, all the adverts are visual and they're all trying to make you stop the scroll and look and double take. And they do it in such a way as to kind of confuse you or make you go, hang on, what did I just see? Um, I was scrolling through the other day and uh, saw a lovely advert for a McDonald's. I thought, oh yes, (laughs) oh a packet of chips. That sounds like French fries. Um, French fries, packet of French fries. Um, until I looked really carefully. <laughs> what is this I'm looking at? That's crayons for some strange reason. And it went, click here to see more of this artist. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that, you know. I've got all the time in the world not to do that. Um, and so there's this artist that's just taken ordinary objects and kind of played with them to make you look twice. Here's another one. Can you spot it? It's 
It's a snake right there in the middle. It's not a lollipop at all. Look very carefully, you'll see the eyeballs. Here's another one. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> oh man, that stops you scrolling. What is that? What on earth am I looking at? My personal favourite? I just think that's funny. <laughs> Cauliflower sheep, there you go. Dear, oh dear. What on earth am I looking at? The truth is, so many things in life might make you stop and go, what on earth is that? What am I looking at? But actually, occasionally there are rarer moments, moments of such profundity that cause us to ask the exact same question, but in a totally different way. This time with depth of meaning and searching and yearning. What on earth is that? I'm looking at. What is this here before me that I'm witnessing? Think over the last two weeks. um, And you may be sick of this. Others will still be profoundly moved by this. There's no denying that the whole nation, in fact, possibly much of the world, witnessed an extraordinary event over the last two weeks. All the things that happened in the passing of Her Majesty the Queen and perhaps it was the first moment the glimpse of the coffin for some really moved them Um, for others it may have been that queue of seeing just so many ordinary folk like us just queuing just to pass it by what's that all about? what's going on there? or maybe like you uh, for you like me it was the funeral um we watched it here with a few of us, weren't many, but we screened it here at church. And um, there was lots of chit-chat going on as we gathered, and it was just sort of Hugh Edwards talking about things in the background. But the moment that the voice shouted, funeral procession, slow march, and the bagpipe drone wailed up, and the drum started to beat, you could hear a pin drop in this room for the rest of the service. We all knew at that moment we were watching something quite extraordinary and maybe for you like me it was this moment that was really moving as well. The Queen's Piper, a lone piper stood above on a balcony playing a lovely Scottish classic called Sleep, Deary Sleep as he played that over the coffin. It was extremely moving to me and my brother texted me soon afterwards and I quote he said this I have lots and lots of thoughts and emotions running through me at the moment quite impossible not to think of the enormity of God eternity and the fact that the piper is going to play all of us a tune at some point that moment in history whether you believe in royal succession or not for so many ordinary people like me felt like we were witnessing something significant What is this that I've just witnessed? This morning I want to take you, I want to go quickly to another moment that left ordinary people like us trying to comprehend the significance of what they just witnessed. A moment so unusual and so profound that they were utterly shaken by it. What on earth is this that I have just witnessed? It's actually one of my favourite parts in the eyewitness accounts that you find in the Bible of Jesus' life. Um, you find them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Uh, these stories, these testimonies, and this happened, and this happened, and we saw this happen. And this is one of them, 
written by one of Jesus' disciples, um, and it's all about his disciples, uh, this ordinary bunch of folk that up to meeting Jesus had ordinary jobs, um, trying to support their families like so many of us, trying to survive in a violent and brutal world back then, 2,000 years ago. Perhaps it is still now. But their lives had begun to change since they first met Jesus. This miracle-working teacher had called them to come and follow. And for some reason, each one of them had said, yes, I will follow you. That in itself is extraordinary. From that day, they began a journey with him. And every day, they'd listen carefully to him. And he'd tell them about God's heart and about the Father, the Heavenly Father, as he called him. And... He'd tell them of a kingdom that God is bringing in where the poor and the broken and the struggling are not outcasts to be laughed at, but they're honoured and they're healed and they're looked after. He spoke about how ordinary human beings like them with just faith the size of a mustard seed. They could do things that are unimaginable. That they could be a light shining in the darkness. That they could bring hope in this world that is so often filled with despair. The truth is they didn't understand it all. Who does? But they were growing, they were willing, they were journeying, they were learning, they were discovering. And at this point they knew Jesus was so kind. They knew he was strong and certain about certain things. They knew that he was a great teacher. They knew he was wise. They knew he was, his, was their friend because he showed it and he said it. And they know that he's an amazing leader doing amazing things for God. But at this point, something so extraordinary was about to happen that would make them rethink everything they thought they knew about the world and the created order and about this man, Jesus, who was with them. It begins with them traveling on a boat together. And actually, it's a fairly common occurrence. Lots of people that follow Jesus have previously been fishermen. And so they're out on a boat to cross this great lake. It's a bit like a sea, the sea of, or Lake Galilee, or Sea of Galilee sometimes called. Um, and they're crossing it to get to the other side to go to other villages so Jesus can teach and heal there. And it's evening time. It's nothing too unusual. It would probably taken them most of the night just to glide across carefully to the other side. But actually, quickly we read that a fairly routine journey turned into a life-threatening ordeal. We read that a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now just listen to those words a second. It's easy to read past them and go, yeah, and the squall and the boat and it was bad. But actually, this was terrifying. This came from nowhere and the boat they were in, the thing that was keeping them alive, was nearly going under. It was a furious storm. I wonder if you've ever been in a life-threatening situation. Wonder the feeling within. I'm no great traveller. I wish I could travel more, um, but I've been on enough planes to have been in one where the turbulence was so bad that it felt like we just dropped vertically about three or four meters, like that, and everyone just at the same time went ah, like this. But I looked across to the uh, flight stewards and stewardesses. They were calm as a cucumber. Yeah, hi everyone, no problem here. I was like, okay, we're not in danger, all is well. I've been on a ferry with waves that were so strong that the front of the ferry was being lifted up so high that it would then slam on the waves and like a thunderclap would 
belt against the front windows. We were in the front sort of part of the ferry. And again, everyone was screaming. And many of them were being sick. (laughs) And I looked again at the stewards, at the team on board. And they were just going along in their hats. Have a nice day, sweeping up the sick as if nothing had happened. (laughs) Don't you worry about that, folks. It's all fine. They were French. Not a problem. Don't worry. (laughs) It was absolutely fine. So I knew we weren't in danger. It just felt really scary. But this is a moment where they really, really are in danger. If you weren't one of the fishermen in this situation, one look at the fishermen's faces, the pale terror in their eyes would have told you, this is serious. We may not make this. We may die here tonight. The storm had whipped up so suddenly and the water was plowing in and the wind and the waves, they would have been panicking and shouting. And here in this moment of chaos and fear, the first thing they didn't expect to see was Jesus having a sleep on the back. Really? Really? This primordial terror, this panic, and there he is, this leader, resting and afraid, having a little snooze. And it could be he was just tired, as John says. could be he was an extraordinary uh, deep sleeper. could be that he couldn't hear or feel the violent battering and smashing and shouting and screaming of a storm so powerful it was close to tearing the boat apart, but... I want to say to you, it's possibly that that's unlikely. So what's going on here? Could it be instead that this leader they were following knew depths of peace that we could barely imagine even amidst the most frightening storms? Could it be that he was so rooted in the love of God that he could sleep rather than despair? Could it be that his faith was so real, so strong, so powerful that he could sleep on a cushion even in a sinking boat? For the disciples, it probably wasn't time to consider these things. This was no time for sleeping, soaked to the bone, freezing cold, taking on water, shouting, choking, desperately holding on to the sides for dear life. They're in utter despair. And so as a last resort, having tried everything, they see Jesus still sleeping and someone shouts, somebody wake him up for goodness sake. Grab that cushion. And whack him with it. Wake him up. They knew he was no sailor. They knew he probably couldn't do anything more than them to halt their decline. But at least he should know. Surely, perhaps he could pray or bail out water with a bucket or something. At least he could join them in their distress and panic. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They say, we're dying here. Wake up. But what Jesus would do next, not a single one of them could ever have expected What would happen before their eyes, they could scarcely be able to believe. But Jesus did wake up. And then he stood up in that battered, sinking boat, in this terrifying moment of fear. He simply rebuked the wind. He said, enough. Stop. He spoke to the waves that were crashing and beating against the boat. And he said, peace, be still. And in that moment, it all stopped. 
One word from Jesus, the untamable chaos was stilled. An actual storm, an actual wind, actual waves, an actual boat, actual rain, actual chaos, actual darkness and danger was actually stopped dead in its tracks just at his command. Wow. Disciples knew that what they'd witnessed before them was something life-shakingly profound. They saw a man stand and rebuke a storm, and the wind and the waves obeyed him. They saw Jesus command the very elements of nature to submit to his authority, and they did. And surprisingly, the disciples are left shaken to the core. The Bible says they were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this man that even the wind and the waves Obey him. What is this that I have just witnessed? What on earth have I just seen? Who is this man? I wonder, could it be that that one who can speak to even the wind could speak to the storms in your life and mine? Could it be that the one who can just by his word bring peace Could it be that he can speak healing and peace and forgiveness into the storms in your life? Could it be that the one whom the waves recognize as Lord and King really is the one who created it all and holds it all together, this earth and created order that we live in? Could it be that the one whose authority, the very created nature itself, obeys? Could it be that he deserves my thought and my time? Perhaps even my allegiance, and trust, and obedience. Such was the moment they witnessed that the disciples had to stop and rethink everything they thought they know. Waves do not listen to a person's command. They do to this person. They do to Jesus. Who really is this man? Could it be that he really is the Son of God? Could it be that he's right when he says he stepped down from heaven into our broken world, to reach out. To reach out to you and me, to all of us, to love us, to heal us, and to save us. I'm going to take you, very briefly, just to one other moment. An ordinary people observed with their eyes something they could barely comprehend. A moment so significant that it's changed everything for all time. Because there came a moment, the Bible says, where this one who stepped down from heaven into this hurting world to love us, to be among us, to walk amongst our fear and our lies, our storms and our suffering. There's a moment when this Jesus would step towards a cross, a cruel and horrendous instrument of torture and death, and he willingly chose to step towards it. This magnificent, beautiful, kind, strong, compassionate, miracle-working, authority-wielding, life-changing Jesus. In this moment, he's now laying on a beam of wood, stripped, whipped, and suffering. Ordinary people are watching as thorns are pressed on, as the nails are driven through, as the cross is heaved up, as the tears fall down. Ordinary people are watching as the saviour of the world hangs there, Dying, the one who created all breath in this moment struggling to breathe. The one who loves us beyond our comprehension, now being spat at, mocked, tortured, 
suffering, dying? Could they understand what they were witnessing before them? Could they possibly realize this is the eternal one who made it all and sustains it all and loves it all, who is now hanging on this cross? Could they possibly realize that he was hanging there for their mistakes, for the mess they've got into? And not just them who are watching, but for all generations that follow, including all of us, everyone in this room, everyone tuned in online. Could they have possibly known? No, I don't think they did. Could they possibly have understood his heart of love when he said on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. They have no clue. I want to tell you, just as the wind and the waves obeyed this Jesus, the moments before he died, a few hours before, everything went dark. The Bible says the moment he took his last breath, last breath, the earth quaked and the rocks split apart. It's almost as if the created order itself, where humanity were blind to it. The same nature that had obeyed his words was now wrenching itself apart at the death of this Jesus, this Lord and creator of all. It's hard to imagine what it would have been like to have been there. The Bible tells us when one centurion and some people nearby, ordinary people, witnessed it and how he died and what he said. The conclusion was this. Surely this man was son of God. And so I want to finish and I want to say The reality is you'll witness many more things in your life that will make you double take. Tonight you might see a beautiful sunset or a rainbow in the sky. Tomorrow you might see someone walk through town dressed like a lion or see a video on the internet of someone swallowing a snooker ball or a monkey on a motorbike. I'm convinced they're all out there. In your lifetime you may see kings and queens come and go. You may see governments and leaders rise and fall, pandemics, recessions, jubilees and wars. Some moments will make you laugh, some will make you cry, some will make you wonder, and some will make you tremble. Just occasionally will come a moment when you realise you're witnessing something truly life-changing. I just want to suggest to you perhaps today was one of those moments. For today, firstly you witness something you weren't expecting really in this life to see, Possibly a friend or someone you know quite well or maybe you just know a little bit but a ordinary human being, Ruth and Paul who have their own journeys and their own story who are reasonable and good and wonderful people well for some reason they got down into a pool with all their clothes on and get soaking wet in front of 200 people as we all cheered. Try explaining that to the folks at work on Monday morning. What did you do at the weekend? Well... I saw something quite amazing. It's not normal. But I also want to say to you, 
But today you saw something not just unexpected, but something profound. You witnessed a crystal clear declaration to everyone here that these two people have looked at Jesus and they have found life in him. They have looked at the cross and they have understood that the Son of God suffered and died for their sin and their mistakes and their shame. And they've not just looked at it, but they've known for themselves that he did it for them because they are so loved and he did it for every single person here. What you saw today were two people who've come to know Jesus not just as a historical interesting figure. They've invited him to be their own Lord and Saviour and friend. You've witnessed the living testimony of two people that have come to know that Jesus did not just die, but he rose again. He's alive today. And as Ali was praying, in this uncertain and changing and frightening and violent world, he still reigns. He is unchanged. And one day he will bring about a future of God's kingdom in all its fullness here on earth where there will be no more death or tears or dying. But for now, it's not always easy. But for Paul and Ruth, you've come to realize that even in all its suffering, the cross wasn't a mistake. It was God's great redemption plan for them and for us all. To bring glory to his name and to make a way for all of us to have a relationship that will change our lives for all eternity. And so they gave Jesus their yes. And they gave this Jesus whom the waves listen to. And this Jesus that cries out on the cross, forgive them, Lord. They gave him their yes and their obedience. And they stepped out. And they're following him. For they believe that Jesus really is the Lord of all. And like the disciples, they don't understand it all. None of us do. But they're growing. They're willing. They're journeying. They're discovering. And what a journey you have ahead. They're discovering that Jesus really did mean it. When he said he'd come to bring them life in all its fullness. If you're able, would you just stand with me? I'm going to invite the band back just for a moment. Today, in the presence of us all, Ruth and Paul have declared their faith and were baptised. Can we bring back up the PowerPoint a second, just at the back, just that last bit? So take a moment and ask yourself, What is this that I have just witnessed today? Something nice for a friend? Someone stepping out in courage? A new start? A past forgiven? A person with purpose for the future? Someone who has received the peace that only comes from above? An individual finding a real relationship with God? Ask yourself, How will I respond to what I've seen? Perhaps you might simply respond by saying, well, that's nice for them. Thank you very much. And nothing more. I want to say to you, that is, of course, your choice today. Perhaps for some of you here, you really do sense the call of this Jesus in your own heart and you realise it's time for you to give him your yes. Maybe for the first time or maybe to be baptised. 
when you come and speak to me or any of the ministers, we can explore this together. Perhaps for some of you, just like Ruth and Paul did, you realise that today, this Jesus is at the very least worthy of a second take. Perhaps it's time to find out a little bit more. And if that's you, two really simple and non-scary ways you could do that. Just by the coffee before you go, you could take one of these. This has got some more information about what Jesus has done. You could take it home and look at it in your own time. You take one of these if you don't have a Bible. It's a New Testament, it's called The Invitation. An invitation to find life just as Ruth and Paul did. Just grab one of those. And if you'd like to come and chat with someone or chat with Ruth or Paul, have prayer for anything at all at the end and come forward. Today, we've seen something unexpected. We've also witnessed something life-shakingly profound. Jesus, the Lord and King, is alive. And he's transforming lives today. Shall we pray? King Jesus, thank you that you love every single person in this room, wherever we are. Lord, few of us go from naught to a hundred and suddenly get everything and know everything. But Lord, you are good and you love each one of us. And you will have been speaking to hearts and calling us on to find out more. So I pray, Lord, your blessing on everyone. Those wondering, those ready, those wanting to take a next step, maybe even baptism. Lord, give each one of us courage today to realise who you are and to give you that next step, that second look and take a step forward in finding out the wonder, the joy that isn't just Ruth and Paul's. It's for all of us to know and to celebrate and to experience. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.